Hello, and welcome to the Belmont Story Project. My name is Joanna Juvelis, and I am the Senior Multimedia Journalist for the Belmont Citizen Herald and WickedLocalBelmont.com. Today is Wednesday, May 15, 2019, and I am conducting this interview in the Claflin Room at the Belmont Public Library. I'm speaking with James McIsaac. He is our Assistant Belmont Police Chief, and he grew up in Belmont. He's lived in Belmont for 51 years, and he's a third-generation Belmontian. Nice to have you here. Should I call you Jamie or You, you Jamie? can call me Jamie. Everybody calls you Jamie. Yes, like they that. do, yeah. That's a nice nickname. Thank well, you. I'm so happy to have you on, and I know you're excited to be here and have so much to say that we may not even get it all done <laughs> in, a, in a half hour. We may have to have you back two times, so I'm really, really happy to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. First, just tell me about your, your history of, of Belmont. You said you moved here when you were about two? No, I, I was born here in Belmont. Okay, um, you were born, born Yeah, I was Belmont. born in Belmont. I lived two years away after mm-hmm. I had gotten married. I lived two years in Brighton and then came back oh. to Belmont. Oh, that's nice. Um, so you were born and raised in Belmont, and you went to all Belmont public schools. That's right. And tell me about your family, like um, your, you know, your mom, your dad, sure. your siblings. So my... Um, the first in involvement with Belmont was my grandmother in uh, 1911 mm-hmm. left Villafranca, Sicily, uh, to come to Belmont, and she mm-hmm. resided at a, a rooming house on Baker Street mm-hmm. with her sister, and they worked in a clothing store, clothing factory that was over in Watertown. Mm-hmm. And um, she eventually met my grandfather, who used to cut hair on the weekends here. He was living in the North End. Oh, that's nice. He would cut hair on Saturdays in Belmont Center, and they met. And they married. He was also from Sicily. And um, they eventually settled on Grant Avenue in Belmont, which mm-hmm. at the time there was only maybe three or four houses on the street. Okay. And they went on to have ten children. Wow. Um, my, yeah, yes, my mother was the youngest of the ten. Really? And um, they all, all my, one of the, my mother's siblings passed away when she was very young. So there were nine of them that all resided and raised families in Belmont. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother eventually um, purchased a house, a two-family house on Grand Ave across from the house, which she was actually born in. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. Uh, we had, my mother had six children. She was 18 when she got married. Really? Yes. So you're one of six. I'm the youngest of six. You're the youngest yes. of six. And your father is Scottish, right? Yes, yep. Now, how did your mother, who is 100% Italian, end up with... So mm-hmm. my Scottish. my father grew up in Worcester, and around the time he was 13 years old, he moved to Sycamore Street in Watertown, mm-hmm. which is it, w- it was like two houses over the line from Belmont and Watertown. Yeah. And so he was, um, while he graduated from Watertown High, he was using the Waverly train stop, and one day my mother, I think, saw him getting off the train or the, the trolley car and, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. And, um, <laughs> but I'm the youngest of six, and my mother was the youngest of, of nine, so I'm the youngest of that whole mm-hmm. um, that whole family tree. And how did you meet your wife? What's your, what's your wife's name again? Joanne. Joanne. Wow. Yeah. Joanne, is, Joanne moved to Belmont um, when she was uh, in the second grade. She moved mm-hmm. from Brighton. Brighton and oh, really? Yep, Joanne was a year ahead of me in high school. I knew her, but we never dated. We uh, passed across frequently. Did you know her from elementary school too? No, no, no. middle school. I uh, middle school. Mm-hmm. I did. I didn't know who she was. So and you didn't start dating until when? College. College. Yes, till college. So we um, 
we both ended up at UMass Boston after going other places first. And um, my sophomore year at UMass Boston, we began dating. Oh, and, that's nice. Uh, and yeah. the rest is history. That's right, yeah. <laughs> now, how many, how many years are you married? 27. 27. 27 and you years. have three children. Three children. Tell me about your children. My oldest son is uh, Kyle. He's uh, 23 this January. He just graduated from UMass Lowell. Uh, my daughter, Catherine, is 21. She turned 21 in April. Mm-hmm. She's a junior at UMass Amherst, mm-hmm. and she's spending a semester in Spain this year. So That's she's, exciting. She's had a lot of fun. And my youngest, Will, is uh, he's 18. He's a junior at Belmont oh, High School. So we have two kids who are the same. My son is a, a junior in college, and my daughter's a junior in high school. So, yeah. one, so they the know same each thing. other. Um, tell me about your childhood in Belmont. What was it like? Growing up in Belmont. So, you know, sometimes you think when you look back, you kind of uh, fail to remember all the anxieties and the bad things. And everything. But I look back at my childhood in Belmont. I had a, I think it was wonderful. Um, it, it was, you know, I grew up on Grand Ave. There were a lot of kids on Grand Ave that we, uh, that we hung around with. Mm-hmm. Everybody on Grand Ave, all my friends, everything, either were, um, you know, this was in the six, late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Had one parent that was Italian, or both parents were Italian. It was <laughs> so it's really true that Belmont just has a lot of Italian yes. blood yeah. roots. Especially that that area of town. And, yeah. um, so, you know, it was great. My, my In terms of geography, my childhood life consisted of Waverly Square, Grand Ave, uh, the, the town yard, and town field. And that's where we spent... Uh, all really? the time yeah it was just great you know we'd go out in the summertime and and just be out all day and all night and um you know being the youngest of six I think and and there's five years between me and my sister I did family vacations were kind of over at that time so I spent my whole entire summer like just bouncing around between town field and and the neighborhood and it was uh it was great it was a great uh place we knew you know mm-hmm. me and my friends we knew where every crack in the sidewalk was, where every hole in the fence was, and Aww. we just played constantly. So you have outside. you could really give perspective on on how Belmont has changed. Sure. How do you think it compares today and the youth today and what they do in their spare time? Because I I think it's probably changed, but you can. Yeah, I think it's changed a lot, and you know I still uh, I coach youth sports, so I see it. You know I think technology. Obviously, we 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 all know anybody our age knows that technology has had a big influence on the way kids, you know, hang out and play. Um, I think. True. Huh? Yeah, you know we right now we have a lot of kids in town, but you you wouldn't know it. You don't see them out mm-hmm. like like you know you did when I was a kid. Um, like, you know in the neighborhoods. And I think the town has changed, and um, we've because of the real estate, you know, the rising cost of real estate. I think there's a lot less blue collar. I'll say there's less socio, uh, there's less economic diversity, but more ethnic diversity. We've certainly become a more diverse uh, community now than we were in the um, in the 80s, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I think just you know, looking at the, the Butler School, um, you know, I think 65 percent of the mm-hmm. kids would identify as, as white you know is which that means the school you went to Butler? i went to the kendall school oh which no longer which no longer exists yeah and that's where they built is that where they built the chennery where was the, the kendall school? beach street center is oh, on the kendall that's school right that's right is on the kendall and where did school you go grass. to middle school the chennery the chennery middle school chennery though the old chennery but it was in the same location, the same location. that it's in now 
Um, tell me about the sports you played when you were young. So when I was young, uh, your first introduction to sports in Belmont at that time was would, would be, you know, um, Little League, you know, for me and Pop Warner, football. And then in the summertime, when it was really nice, was the Belmont Recreation Department had a parks program. Mm -hmm. And so the kids would, from town field, would play Winbrook, Burbank, Washington Street, um, and just about any sport you could imagine, whether it was flag mm -hmm. football, baseball, basketball, soccer even. And that was really great because you were playing with your neighborhood friends. There was no really adult involvement mm -hmm. in, in the games that you played. And there was some local pride, you know, there was pride with your neighborhood if, if you won. You know, we still, wow. our friends, we still text, you know, we'd be, you know, Townfield was where all the tough kids hung out. Townfield was the better athletes, mm -hmm. you know, and banter back and forth. And um, so that was great. And then, you know, it, it, nice. you, you moved on to high school and, you know, middle school sports. And you played, would you say you played football? I played football, yes, all in through. high school, all through high school, mm -hmm. yeah. It was very, it was a positive experience for me. And you mentioned before we started our interview today that you're doing a, a project on the history of football in Belmont? On the uh, history of football in Belmont along with both with a focus on the, the Belmont-Watertown Thanksgiving game and the history of that game. How are you getting all your, how are you doing your research for that? Old newspaper articles. Oh, uh, I hope they're Citizen Herald. Well, they are. There's Citizen Herald, uh, Boston, the Traveler, I think it was called, and the, and the, the Belmont Herald, the old Belmont Herald. What motivated you to do this? Well, you know, so I coached football at the high school, and, um, you know, getting back to the cost of real estate, basically families, people like myself, um, a lot of my friends can't afford to, to live in Belmont any longer. So we were talking about, I, 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 this was about 10 years ago when we had the team together and we were talking about the Belmont-Watertown rivalry. And the Belmont coaches, two of the Belmont coaches at that time, had played for Watertown. And I realized with speaking with some of the kids, it, it just didn't resonate with them. It didn't really mean anything, you yeah. know, because there was no, um, like, family lore passed down or anything like that. So I kind of I got this to thinking and you know just the way football was going in both communities I said it'd be nice if there was a way to preserve these memories um, mm -hmm. about this rivalry and, and what it meant you know yes. I mean I knew I had two older brothers that played in the game and and, and uh, two three brother two brother-in-laws that played mm -hmm. in the game so when I was like in third grade I knew that my senior year the Watertown Belmont Thanksgiving game was going to be home you know, yeah. it was just something that was was a big deal, you know. And uh, so is this going to be like a, a research paper or what is the finished product? Um, I was thinking maybe some uh, type of a book, um, oh, that, a book. that can, contains everything. Yeah. And, you know, when we go really way great. back, there's a trophy in the trophy case over there. It used to be the Waverly Belmont game before there was, which was an amateur game between Waverly and Belmont. And I don't think people can appreciate the distinction between in those days what you know how what it was like even mm -hmm. you know for me growing up in Waverly and then you had Belmont the rest of, of the, the community. Is anybody helping you with this book? It's pretty exciting. No I've talked to different coaches and different things asked them to put their input in here and there and different things and I still I have a long way to go. All right well but keep me posted. I will. You know that when it's ready I'll help promote it. <laughs> I will. Um, and now you are currently a coach. Do you coach? Still coach middle school? I run the middle school football program. You run yes. it. Yeah. How's that going? Good. 
Good. We took a year off last year because we had a, a small eighth grade class, but this year we have enough kids um, signed up. Yeah, and the whole idea is get them get them ready from middle school so that by the time they get to high school, do you think do you think our, our team's improving? Because it's kind of I think so. I'm not. I don't like to use the term feeder program for the for the high school. I have personal reasons why I I've, I've started that program. Um, when I was when I was in going into the eighth grade. I was big for my age, so I couldn't play uh, football. And it, unfortunately, at the same time, I had my oldest sister had passed away. So I was in kind of a, that eighth grade year was a tough year for me. Had I had um, organized sports or something to get involved in, I think it would have been very helpful. So that's why I do it. Some of the some of the kids don't go on to play at high school. Others do. My own son um, played, you know, two years at high school and said that I've had enough of football, you know. But um yeah. So it's just kind of, I think, giving kids a, the opportunity to give mm -hmm. it a try because football is a great sport because um, it, it really can be guided towards those kids that mm -hmm. don't specialize. You know, if you've got a kid that hasn't been playing hockey since he was in second grade or, right. you know, doesn't, doesn't run the fastest, isn't the most coordinated, you know, you can usually find a spot for them on the football field. And if they have the desire and they have the, you know, mm -hmm. the ambition to go on, they can, they can play in high school. No, I know as a parent, I worry about injuries. Yeah. How do you? I worry about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and But, you know, I so what I do is uh, when I have practice and everything, just un, not unlike when we do firearms drills at the department, I do them in the safest way possible. And, you know, there's, the league we're in is, is great. There's no championship. There's no scoreboard. So all that kind of crazy mm -hmm. parental win-win stuff is out of it, you know. So if a kid comes out and says, Coach, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling good. Even if he's the starting quarterback, hey, go take a seat. Well, you know, there's yeah. no very low pressure to uh, – Well, that's good. To, yeah. That's good. Tell, tell me more about your memories of Belmont, um, how it was when you were growing up and how it's changed today. Things that changed that you wish didn't change. Well, you know, I, I don't want to sound like it, you know, the major complaint in town, but traffic is one of them. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we have a lot of traffic. I hope Belmont continues. To, you know, when I was younger, um, there were, you know, there were families. The kids were out. Um, it was a very walkable community. Um, you know, you tended not to have reason to, to go too far beyond your neighborhood if you were a kid. And I just hope Belmont continues to attract families. Um, you know, one of the one of the fears is, you know, especially when we're so close to Boston, that housing would, you know, would tend toward the, you know, kind of like apartments and people without uh, children moving into town. I think it's important to have kids in the community to keep Belmont sort of the way it is. Yeah, and, um, I do think because of the schools, we'll keep getting the kids. Yeah, and then that's why we have this whole overcrowding. <laughs> exactly. Issue. You know, Watertown has a, has a lot of apartments, but their school doesn't. Uh, you know, they have a, they have a bigger population than us, yeah. but it doesn't translate to young kids. Mm, and um, that's true. That's you know, true. you you don't want to see, you know, you want to see Belmont stay that way. And I think you know the diversity is a good thing. I think having all you know, uh, mm -hmm. as we just talked about back in you know 1911, there were certainly a lot of Italians and. And Irish moving in here when, you know, you had probably before that predominantly, you know, the, the Protestant um, group was, oh, in, was really? in charge, you know. Do you, think, do you think traffic might deter people from wanting to move to Belmont? No. Because well, if good. anything, I think <laughs> as we become a more, as people get away from cars, you're going to want to be close to the city and closer to services. And, you know, hopefully the state will step up their yeah. public transportation. 
Well, I'd like to hear more about your background and how you got into public safety. You graduated Belmont High what year? 1985. 1985. Yep. You were a football player, right? You graduated in football, like, were you like one of the star football players? I was, I was okay. I was on the (laughs) all-star team. I started off going Northeastern, recruited me to play football at Northeastern. So is that where you went? That's That's where where I went. But unfortunately, you know, I wasn't too much of a student in those days. (laughs) And uh, I was overwhelmed academically at Northeastern. And um, so I ended up leaving school. I worked, uh, construction for about six months and said I gotta go back to school <laughs> and uh yeah and then you went to UMass I went to UMass Boston what did you study there I majored in sociology and did they had you a, play football there I did they you had a did? football team so That's I played great. I played four years of football there and all throughout that time I was taking the police exam the civil service exam the yeah state but why did you want to do that what made you want to I had just that. always even interest exams, interest tests that I took at the high school at the time always said you know either military or police. It was just something that I always wanted to do. I had a brother-in-law who was on the state police at the time, and I just thought it was the you know the greatest the greatest job. And you know I'd say this now if I had nine lives every nine I would come back and and choose the same profession. Really? Yeah. So when did you officially become a a police officer? So what happened was so I wanted to be a police officer but as you know you have to get on with your life and keep the wolves away from the door so to speak so I got into sales and (laughs) I was very successful. (laughs) I sold um, I sold products and chemicals into the molecular biology industry. So I was in research labs at Yale, uh, Harvard, all these places doing you know, which at the time they were a lot of the human genome projects were going on. So I was selling things to to um, to those labs, and my last job was a job called a, a company called Mysonics, and I was selling uh, hmm. ultrasonic homogenizers and fume hoods. And I took the test one more time. I told my wife, I said, "This is it. We're gonna I'm gonna take the test once and see what happens." Mm-hmm. And I lo and behold the the week I was offered the national sales manager's job with this company, I got a card from the Belmont Police. So, and what we, did that card say? It was, you know, that I was a candidate and I had to come down and sign the list. And Ooh. to make a long story short, that last year at my Sonics was 1998. I was on track to make about $85,000, which was a good salary in those days. Yeah. I had a company car. Uh, my wife wow. was driving a car that was two years old, and when I took the, and she was staying at home with, uh, I had two kids, both at the time were under five, mm-hmm. and uh, when I came home and said, I'm, I'm going to do this police thing, I'm going to give it a try, and uh, I said, it's going to mean we have to sell both cars, we have to, you know, turn in my work car, she's going to have to sell her cars, because I went from, a sal- you know, of a salary commission of about 85000 down to a, I think it was 37 was what we were starting at. Oh, really? And um, so we did, and uh, with her support. And, she was uh, we very to supportive. Very it supportive, like. yeah. And, um, you know, it was tough. There was, you know, we didn't have money for a few years. I was driving. Um, she ended up getting a, what was a 89 Toyota Camry. We bought one used. I didn't uh, have a vehicle for a while, but, you know, really? it all worked out. You know, there's, you don't want to, I always have this saying that, you know, you don't want to, climb the corporate ladder and reach the top and realize it's against the wrong wall so that's true you, you know you had you found happiness yeah. so are you happy how how has it been since you actually officially became a police officer what year in 1998 so i was 32 um 99 actually was it 99 or 98 so that's about 29. 20 years yeah 32 yeah i'm in my 20th year and 
what have you seen in that 20 years that you wouldn't want to see again? That I wouldn't want to see again? Um, you know, I don't know if there's, you know, there's things that you see that uh, tragedy, you know, that, you, you know, uh, whether it's a death notice or a sudden death, they're all, they're all tragic and, and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to deal with that kind of thing. Well, we've um, had some interesting cases, though, in Belmont that I think you can talk about now, like, I don't know, something similar to what happened to Robert Kraft was oh, yeah, happening in had. Belmont. <laughs> you want to fill me, fill, fill our listeners in on that? That we, wasn't too, too long ago. No, we've had the, we've had the massage parlor case and everything. And even those, you know, it's policing is, you know, policing is rewarding in that um, it requires the constant, you, you have to use good judgment to ambiguous situations and you have to use good, you know, you have to apply rules to ambiguous situations. And even, when we've when we've had massage parlor cases, I mean nobody feels good about them anyway. Around you know you mm-hmm. have uh, these women that are mostly you know have come here from another country. Mm-hmm. They barely speak the language, yeah. you know, and it, and you've kind of you know you have to you have to be set up to to deal with with mm-hmm. that, um, mm-hmm. you know, with with the fallout of what are you going to do with these these women now and what do you, you know and it's just right. it, it can be unpleasant. It was it was one or two massage parlors in Belmont. Where I think this we've we've broken up two. Yeah, and, uh, and are you still keeping your eye on some of the other existing ones? We do, um, but as you've seen from the Robert Crafting, it's not an easy. Um, no, it's, it's not. not easy, even he's uh, pretty much off the hook now. I think yeah, pretty I th- much. I think so. Yeah, they're not even releasing the videos, yeah. but you know. Having a lot of money probably it helps. helps in that yeah. situation. <laughs> um, okay. Um, what would you say is the biggest uh, public safety issue you're dealing with today? Um, for Belmont, uh, we have we have there's several major areas that I I think we focus on a lot, and that is one is traffic. And, you know that causes you know that's more of a, um, uh, you know, it's upsetting to people, not necessarily dangerous, but it upsets people. It's a quality of life yeah. issue. And there's a lot of moving parts to that. The next is uh, is elderly in town, you know, mm-hmm. with the, uh, you know, the scams, whether they're driving, you know, paveway driving, paving driving, driveway scams, or whether they're getting things over the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the Internet or over the phone. We have those are on those frauds are on a weekly basis, with, and just not the elderly. Other people fall victim to them. Mm-hmm. The next is um, is is the youth of Belmont, which is not a problem, but which, for, for I think obvious reasons, where we've talked before, is that I I take a a keen interest in it because as police mm-hmm. officers, you know, we can have we can have a significant impact, positive and negative, on people's lives. And yeah. I think especially dealing with the kids, we want to be careful that we don't have an unnecessary negative impact on the life of a, a, a mm-hmm. juvenile. But right. whether it's, you know, so we want to make sure that we charge, the, you know, the juvenile if they've committed a crime in the proper way. Right. Uh, we have the restorative justice now, which is great. Oh, yeah. And, um, and the other thing is... Um, with uh, domestic violence, you know, we 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 uh, those are those are the areas of main focus for us. What about the opioid um, epidemic? The opioid epidemic. Hopefully, we're seeing a downturn in it right now. It's finally, I think, has got the attention of the mainstream, and by that I mean the the government, state mm-hmm. and local, and um, the the federal government, and they're starting to do some things on it. I think people are starting to realize the dangers behind it. It's very difficult in, in a place like Belmont, um, 
a lot of the people that are suffering suffering from opioid addiction, uh, because we're we tend to we're a wealthy community, they tend to have resources already. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have a whole lot of people coming into the police station saying, "I need help. Can you find me? Point me in the right direction." There's mm-hmm. one. There was a case in town that was very sad where um, a, a person had overdosed and the, they were living with their parents, and their parents had already were already had Narcan in the house oh, wow. and things like that. So you know they were trying to do everything they could mm-hmm. for their child. You know we're one more resource that people can go to and we're certainly available to help anybody um, that needs that needs help but and we try to do it through our through education you know there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that just don't know um, the dangers right. of, of opioid addiction do you think that the whole marijuana legalization and allowing two retail stores to open in Belmont which hasn't happened yet yeah but could what do you think about that? How do you, th- you think Belmont's so, ready to deal with that? I think so. I, I think you know it's it's you know it's going to happen. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's going to happen eventually. Um, it's interesting to watch what's happening. I think if you asked me uh, before I got involved with coaching football at the high school and working with high school kids, if you asked me about legalizing marijuana, I would have said, "Yeah, it's no problem. Legalize it." Um, but having dealt with the high school kids and then having talk to the kids when it first went to decriminalization mm-hmm. you know it just um i had concern for what's going to happen to the kids and um you know i don't think anybody saw these jewel devices coming along and and right. the strength of the marijuana and um and that kind of stuff and so you know it's interesting to watch i mean it's what people want though they want it they want it legalized and um we haven't really dealt with any issues but of course before it was uh when it was illegal I, you know, people occasionally may have got charged, but it was usually secondary mm-hmm. to a, a more serious charge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the extent that people were going to jail over having a marijuana was kind of exaggerated. Um, yeah. I know in my years of, I think I arrested one person and they had over a pound of marijuana with them. And that yeah. was the only, I've never arrested anybody for having a joint or right, two joints right. or things like that. Well, we'll see what, what time will tell time with will this. Tell. Um, the police project is going to happen in a month, and what that is is um, you're going to be putting a two. Is it a two-story or a three-story addition on the building? It's we're, we're putting a. Uh, we we already have two stories mm-hmm. in the front. We're putting an additional story on the back right. of the one story that's in the back. Oh, so we'll be building up the back. Roof. Building up the back and completely renovating the inside, yes. which is really exciting. It's it's going to yeah. be like you have a brand new police station that will last another 50 years and i know there was so much uh talk about finding a new location and needing to rebuild and then they finally found this architect who said you don't need to rebuild i can can fix this place so (laughs) how do you feel about that that as this is about to happen i think it's good i think it was the right move for the town um you know being working in the i would have preferred a brand new building in a new location and uh but you know, that just wasn't going to happen with mm-hmm. everything that's going on in the town right now with the, the high school and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, money's tight. And so I think for what we're spending and the department will certainly, the mm-hmm. building will certainly meet our needs moving into the future. Um, and I'm excited about it. You know, the in 1931 yeah. was, was the last building. And for me, you know, I, I really, I'm not um, big on having, you know, a plush office or anything like that, but it really had gotten to the point well, we were facing serious liability um, if somebody mm-hmm. got hurt in that building, and it could really be 
And it's not even an ADA accessible. No, it's not mm-hmm. ADA accessible. The women's locker room is atrocious. It's small. It, if we hired, I've got my tour. Yeah, if we hired mm-hmm. one more female, she, there was no room for her in the locker room. So it was going to come. It was going to mm-hmm. happen one way or another. So it's better that it happens kind yeah. of under our terms um, to get this done. Well, it is. It's very exciting, and we'll have to have you back on when it's done to yeah. talk about that. Um, how how would you say Belmont compares to other? communities um, as far as safety safety I think um, I think we're a very safe community um, we're we're, we're um, I don't think in terms of um, like domestic violence or anything we're any difference from any other community um, we don't have we tend not to have really any street crime but you know Belmont Arlington uh, Watertown any of the suburbs around um, Boston, I think we're we're comparably everybody's relatively safe, you know. And crime statistics can be can be fudged, you know. If you look at like Mansfield, for instance, you'll mm-hmm. see that they they lead the suburbs in assaults or drunkenness, and it's because they have the Twitter center down there, you know, and it, it oh. accounts for a lot of their arrests. Oh yeah. So you know, you you have to take you know like Watertown have a lot of shop you know, to wow, everybody's shopless in Watertown. Well, yeah, they have the Watertown Mall, they have they the have Arsenal more Mall, stores, they have yeah. more stores. So, That's but true. I think overall, I think if you look at the, the uniform crime reports and, you know, in terms of violent crime and everything, we're, we're, we're a relatively safe community. I think people sometimes take their safety for granted because when I do the logs every week, I see that there's a lot of uh, car break-ins because people aren't locking their cars at night. Yeah. You know, and then they leave their valuables well, in their car. it's kind of like the traffic thing, too. You know, Belmont, you know, you have your reputation, which is a good reputation. And I think people come here and their expectation is that they've moved to uh, Belmont circa 1951. And that's really not the case. We're a very mobile society. You know, you should lock your doors. You should lock your vehicle doors. Have an alarm is probably an not a bad good. idea yeah. for and, your house. Um, you know, don't leave valuables in your car and, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. So, you know, you still got to, you know, you have to be careful. What do, you, what do you love about Belmont? I like, well, you know, it's it's each stage of your life there's something else that you like about Belmont, you know, and it's always... For me, it's always kind of been the people, you know, whether it was my friends growing up, uh, my family, and uh, the activities that we were engaged in. And, and you know, um, you know, you get older. It's, again, it's always the people. You meet new people. This is a great job for, for meeting people. I'm a real people person, you know. Um, I don't like, you know, I like to get out and meet people and talk to people and learn about different, you know, people are a great way to learn, um, you know, learn new things. Mm-hmm. That's and, true. The, the proximity to Boston is, is uh, you know, I mean, how many other places can you live where you, you know, I had a friend from Washington, Upper State Washington staying with me, and he I had to drive him to the airport in the morning, and he was panic-stricken. I said, don't worry. I think it took us 25 minutes, mm-hmm. but 20 minutes to get to the airport, and he was shocked. He's like, I, I didn't realize you were this close to Boston. I said, Right, yeah. there is that proximity. You know, and, you know, you can be at the beach. You can be, you know, uh, two hours away. You can be climbing, you know, the highest mountain in in, in the northeast. So it's it's just a wonderful place to, to live. And I'm sure you hope your kids will be able to raise their families I here. Hope I don't so, know how yeah. they feel about it. The but boys keep complaining about the winter every year, but I hope they, <laughs> they stay around. Well, they all stayed local. Well, the, the two older ones stayed local for college. Yeah, right? yeah. Last question is, how would you want to be remembered in Belmont? I always think, you know, I know you've heard this before, but, um, you know, it's, it's always stuck with me. I've always had coaches and everything talk about it. You know, you, 
your success, your money, whether it's your tight job title, whatever, when, you know, when you pass away, that all ends, you know. But it, when you're significant in people's lives, you know, that can last generations. And that's why people coach. That's why people teach. That's why people become police officers. And I just hope that in some way I have a, a positive, you know, I was significant in, in somebody's life in, in some way. Um, that's really all, uh, you know, you, you can ask for. Well. I wish you all the best as you continue your public safety career in Belmont and with this book that you're working on right. and the continued coaching that you're going to be doing. It was great having you on the Belmont Story Project. Okay. And, oh, I do want to ask you one other just minor question. What's your fav- favorite Italian dish? Spaghetti and meatballs. Really? Yeah. That's well, simple. Yeah, just a basic spaghetti meatballs. Do you have a, a favorite dessert? Um the cannolis with chocolate <laughs> chips. <laughs> oh um, boy, <laughs> do you like going in the north end? All the time. We go to we go to Pizza Regina all the time. Uh, that's I the think best we need an around. Italian, some some another Italian like I don't know bakery and oh, yeah. That'd be so nice. we go to the north end every Good Friday, and my my grandparents were married in uh, oh, the church so down nice. there, so we go to stop in there. So, really nice. Yeah. Well, it was so great having you, and I. You know, hope that other people will tell, you know, tell your friends about the Belmont Story Project because there's lots of people that have stories to share, and this is a way of preserving Belmont history. Okay, thank you. Until next time, everyone.